0: Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us I can my go to Hello and welcome to a road trip from Florida to New York that pulls good nature pranks on people along the way. It's Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Uh, I'm Mike Smith, and joining me as always is a man who doesn't want us to cut through our chains. He wants us to cut through our feet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mike D'Acrucia. How you doing today, Mike? <laughs> Uh, I'm doing pretty great. I'm sorry that uh, I've locked you in a bathroom with a dead guy on the floor, but that's what happened. (laughs)
0: How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. The usual uh, stuff around here and uh, joining us this week is a a first time guest of the show and someone who, in a way, his appearance on this podcast is sort of years in the making. I'll talk about why that is in a second. Uh, The the programming coordinator for the Roxy Theater, which is the indie theater near my house in Missoula, Montana, uh, Mike Emmons. Welcome to Mike and Mike, go to the movies. It's Mike and Mike and Mike, go to the movies
2: this week. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me.
0: Of course. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, you run the you're the programming coordinator for the Roxy Theater. And uh, I talk about the Roxy on this podcast a lot because uh, I moved out to here here to Missoula uh, in August 2018. And uh, I spent a lot of time with the Roxy, especially when, uh, you know, moved out here, basically didn't know anybody. And, uh, or, you know, it's just like every weekend I was like, well. I guess I'm going to the Roxy and going to watch some movies and uh, obviously haven't been at the actual theater in a while because it's still closed. But hopefully, fingers crossed, reopening soon. I don't know if you have any other firm dates on that yet. We if, don't if have you- any
2: firm dates, but I can say. Say that we have a goal in mind, and I don't think it's actually ever been stated publicly. So you heard Ooh. it here first, but June 1st is our rough goal. Okay. Reopening. And showing films again indoors, awesome. Um, yeah, that's it's closer than than I think anyone has quite <laughs> <laughs> digested yet. Yeah, but that's certainly that's what we're all shooting for. Some fo- we're kind of hiring some people back who have who have been furloughed, even some folks who have moved away. I think are coming back to oh, nice. get ready to to reopen. We're sort of um, over the next few days working out strategies about you know how we can keep everybody safe and still show films again. So. Um, in an indoor setting so it's exciting but that's that's the tentative don't hold me to it but Man. <laughs> yeah. I mean an exclusive
0: here I might, might go to the movies it's very exclusive. exciting because <laughs> uh, I think uh, I, I saw like you the newsletter you guys send out every once in a while you sent one out the other day and I think you said uh, that you know you're getting all the staff vaccinated before reopening but there wasn't any like firm data in there yet so that's that's exciting to hear
2: yeah and everyone has gotten at least their first shot and I think probably most of us have gotten our second we just got ours uh, my partner and I uh, last last week, uh, Tuesday. Oh, nice. So yeah, it's we're getting to that point where I think ever like by by you know the first of May I think we'll all have
0: both of our shots. Nice, that's awesome. And the, the last movie I saw in theaters before everything shut down was a uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Arthroxy, uh, which I think played for like three days and then everything shut, <laughs> everything <laughs> that was, shut that down. That
2: was the last film of a lot of people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, not me. Uh, mine was The Lodge, which okay. Uh, Wow. Yes, you know, yeah, um, I, I saw the lodge of the Roxy
0: also. And that was, yeah. uh, you know, I walked away from this saying like, okay, it was kind of a well-made movie that was kind of dumb. And then that
2: girlfriend was like, that was the worst piece of shit I've <laughs> ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on your team. I'm in that gap. Uh, it was, yeah. I don't like that. That's like my last theatrical. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, one of the, the friends of the show, I think uh, Vin, his last m- movie was uh bloodshot, right? The Vin Diesel. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Man, I forgot all about that. Right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. You know, it was it was a rough time of
0: year for uh, for everything to shut down for everybody's last movie because first couple of months of the the year are usually just a dumping ground for, for a lot yeah. of the worst stuff. Uh, mm. And so, yeah, you get stuff like Bloodshot in the Lodge, which is unfortunate. The Lodge, at least, I think is interesting. It's not good, but it's like interesting. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so the Roxy's been closed since March and theoretically possibly opening up in June, which is exciting. But you guys have done so much stuff in this time, like since since you guys shut down, uh, and you. I've been using the Roxy reopening up as like before I got I was able to get vaccinated a couple of weeks ago which was very good and I've been like returning back to the the AMC theaters here in town since then but before I got vaccinated I was using the Roxy reopening as like my marker of like okay that's when everything will be safe because like I remember when like back in like June Montana like allowed movie theaters to reopen uh and I think the AMC's reopened here in like August but the Roxy like stayed shut and that was probably the right call because it, there was a lot of spikes in COVID in that in that time like <laughs> post-June yeah yeah uh, for sure., uh, but you guys were doing so much stuff in that time anyway. Like it felt like there was still like a Roxy presence in Missoula.
2: yeah, I think we I mean we we found a groove with private rentals and outdoor screenings to where we could survive without having to reopen. and until it was safe, we just really, really were committed to keeping that process shut to, yeah. Indoor indoor screenings um, to a minimum, uh, or just cancel them outright. Uh, right. So yeah, we I mean the transition was really fast to though, to to outdoor to you know to outdoor screening. I think we had the garden up and running. This is the outdoor uh, theater uh, behind the theater. Yep, we had that up and running by August. I, I want to say, and uh, and then we also had the uh, the screenings at the ballpark, Centerfield Cinema, our pa- our partnership with the Paddleheads, and private rentals. And private rentals have been so, I mean, they've been so wonderful for us because not only do we sort of still get to connect with our audience, and by the way, I mean. A lot of people rent the theater, having never been to the Roxy ever before. Really, wow. like, that's you know, awesome. They haven't been there, and you know, oh, I went to movies here as a kid. I went to Gene Autry movies, you know. Um, <laughs> but then, when they see the on the marquee that they can rent the theater, it's like, oh god, just for like a little piece over the last year of that normal experience of going to see a film, they're all about it. Those have been so lucrative and so and so constantly incoming. I mean, we've had you know we've averaged about ten a week since we closed. Wow or since we started the program. I mean, when December, I think we had like over a hundred, I mean, it was just nuts. So, I mean, we really haven't felt the need to, to jump the gun and, and open preemptively, but you know, I mean now with, yeah, with the staff getting vaccinated and with such a large percentage of Missoula getting vaccinated, it just seemed like it you know, it's time to get back to our mandate and and show some new stuff. So I that's it. the coolest thing ever.
1: I can't believe I'm I'm so jealous. You know, I live uh, on Long Island, so near, you know, near New York, uh, but it doesn't feel like there is half uh, the kind of film community. I guess you know the kind of small city vibe that you guys can have in Missoula, where it's like, yeah, these are our our patrons, and then people really want to support the Roxy. That's that's such an awesome uh, thing to be part of. It's but amazing. one, day, one yeah. day I'll have to come visit out there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> definitely. definitely. I mean, we yeah, we it's we're the beneficiaries of it every day. And I mean, ev- literally, I think every rental I've worked because I'm I'm also manager of the theater. Someone will ask, like, when are you guys reopening? You know, when are you guys getting, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, people are really hungry for it. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, I did rent out the theater once uh, this past summer. My girlfriend uh, rents it after my birthday I to see Back to the Future. Uh, that was back in like June. So I haven't been inside the actual theater since then. And since then, I mean, you guys finished work on the Roxy Annex, also, I think, right? That's, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically, and that's open to rent for like video game parties and stuff now. Video you know, game be, parties right? and movies, yeah. And movies, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I remember when like that was opening up and there was like, you know, plans to open that in the spring. And then the spring is when everything shut down. So it's like, well, <laughs> I guess this isn't happening right now. Uh, so there's like a whole section of the theater that uh, I still haven't seen yet and I'm
2: excited to. Yeah. The annex is kind of a big advantage of the annex, which is right next door to the theater, is that you can, you know, if you want to bring in food, like that, that space if you want to trash it we're fine with that we're very protective of the theater but the annex you know go to go to town um but yeah mostly yeah it's kind of like more for more space for like young people uh, for having their birthday parties for video games and movies there. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so, you guys have opened up the Roxy Garden over the
0: summer, uh, which I made it out to most of the movies of the Roxy Garden. And I made it out to every Centerfield Cinema last year. That was like a point nice. of like, I was a point <laughs> of like, I needed to get like, because there was nothing else, like, there was no other movies playing in Missoula for a while. So, I was like, I, I need that like communal, you know, film going experience. And Centerfield Cinema like, ended up being like a lifesaver, I think. Like, you guys working with the Paddleheads and like, just every week, a different, and it was just all, it was always, even if it was a movie that wasn't like the biggest fan or whatever, mm-hmm. it was always like a good, like crowd pleasing movie, you know. Yeah. If it, even if it was something like Mamma Mia or whatever, which uh, <laughs> you know, and Mama, I had a blast with Mamma Mia. It was so much fun. Like you guys were passing out like uh, feather boas, and oh. you know, there was like I, I think I won a bucket of white claw, and so me and my girlfriend were just drinking, <laughs> like, drinking white claw with a thing of feather boas uh, on the field and watching Mamma Mia, and the crowd was singing along. And you know, like I feel like some of my favorite like cin- cinema going experiences in recent memory were part of Centerfield cinema, like when everybody started dancing at the end of Purple Rain and, you know, Mm -hmm. just going to see Stop Making Sense and all that stuff. Like it helped like fill that void of like the lack of concerts over the last year too.
2: Yeah. uh, Which was great absolutely no the, and those are two yeah that i will that i'll always really cherish those memories too is is yeah those two films stumming sense yes. and *Purple rain the dancing at the end of purple rain which was completely impromptu i mean people would just really needed that catharsis yeah and we you know we were kind of i think a little nervous about stopping the sense because i mean it's a famous film but but not famous like mama mia is famous not famous. <laughs> right like- i was surprised you guys were showing that one i was excited yeah,
0: because uh, i i wanted to go see stop making sense earlier that year in january when the roxy was showing it and i walked into the roxy and it was sold out and i was like i didn't I think this oh, sell no. out <laughs> so I, so I ended up going home and watching it on Amazon Prime but I was glad I got the, exp- the chance to re-experience it uh, a few months later in Centerfield cinema
2: <laughs> that one was a little bit of a risk and then the crowd was a little smaller than than the usual crowd for a Centerfield cinema but that crowd bought so much beer myself <laughs> Rudy, that we made up we made up the difference and then some like it was have been one of the more profitable ones because like we everyone just got absolutely hammered yes um, it was great. Yeah, but, uh, it was it was like being at an actual Talking Heads concert. Uh, it was my
0: <laughs> <one>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you guys, I mean, you showed so many great movies last year, and last year you were able to do Centerfield Cinema every week because there was no baseball last year, so Ogrin Park <laughs> didn't really have much else going on. I mean, Ogrin Park also had like a lot of stuff last year too. In addition to like that, they had Trivia Tuesdays and Happy Hours and all that stuff. But this year, they're actually playing baseball. But you guys are still doing Centerfield Cinema this year, uh, which is
2: awesome. Very excited about that. Yeah, it'll only be once. Well, I shouldn't say just only once a month because there's a few months we're doubling up. Um, yeah, uh, from yeah, from May through September. They're starting out with the original Batman. Yes, which is this week, by the way. That's uh that's April twenty second. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and then um the Lego the Lego movie on the 29th, ninth, and uh, then Wayne's World on the sixth of May. Right. right. nice.
0: Yes, and then I think there's one never, more. And- yeah, there's one more like mystery movie after Wayne's World, which you guys haven't announced
2: yet, uh, and then it's uh, and then- we're trying to. I can again, I can, I can give you an exclusive. Oh, please, oh my God. yeah, we're, please we're, do. We're trying to lock down his pitch perfect for that for that slot. Mm. Um, my girlfriend it, will be so excited if you get yeah. pitch perfect. <laughs> 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 that. That's a great one. That's great. That's the hope.
0: That's the hope. Yeah, I think mean, that would be a really big one. That would sell obviously. <laughs> that's a huge <laughs> movie. That'd be that's perfect. Uh, and I, I'm wondering like what what goes into the process of selecting a movie for. Centerfield Cinema, because, you know, you don't have to worry about selling out a theater. You got to worry about selling out a baseball stadium, which is a lot of people. Uh, so you got to <laughs> figure out like sort of the biggest crowd pleasing movies you can go for. But then also you find ways to pick like stuff like Labyrinth, uh, kind of throw those in there, which, you know, Labyrinth is a big movie, but also kind of like stop not making sense, like kind of, kind of a cult movie. So it's a little bit difficult to pin that
2: down. A lot of it has to do with, you know, our experiences running the theater over the past few years of, of sort of like, like La- we can't show Labyrinth at the Roxy without it selling out. Yeah, like it is. It is a cult movie, but the cult audience is enormous, right. and will absolutely drop everything to come see that film. I mean, they will. They will pack the house, and, and you know, there's also just plenty of you know, we can all we can always rely on like a, a bunch of people who will just come see everything we show, which is grand. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's yeah, it's it's really a combination of, I mean, of nostalgia is probably the, the most important element. It has to be something that kind of, you know, even if it's a more recent movie that, like, has those nostalgic f- feelings, that generates those nostalgic feelings in, in an audience. Um, mean Girls, you know, did, did alarmingly well. Sure. And, like, it has to, it, you know, and then there's things we have to take into consideration. Like, it can't be too dark. It can't be too violent. It has to kind of hit that sweet spot where it's sure. not kitty fair, but it's, but it's not... uh too dark as well yeah you know, I think the, uh, I think probably the darkest one you showed last year is probably mad max fury road yeah, uh, as yeah, yeah, guess. yeah. which is great but you know yeah. um unfortunately like the kinds of movies that that do so well in this context they're not really terribly they're not being made a lot <laughs> more like if right. you, you do you know i think the vast majority of what we showed came from the 80s or the early 90s yep. league of their own jurassic War, or jurassic park excuse me um <laughs> so, god yeah <laughs> uh, agreed yeah no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> however <laughs> if you should, if you show the lost world, I think Mike would make his way out I mean, here to uh, <laughs> to go see it <laughs> but yeah, I mean and that is part of the uh the concern too is just you you're like making sure you have like the
2: movies that everybody is kind of attached to like there's a nostalgia factor, I think for a lot of these movies for sure that that seems to be like the the critical element um you, you know no matter how again how how recent the film is, it's just sort of like that love that sort of transcends like moment and the, that yeah. That we can really rely on. And it is, it's not, you know, I think we, we did pretty well. We never, we, we'd never had a flop, but it is kind of tricky to, to, you know, to land on that perfect film. Cause like you'll, you'll think, you'll think there is a, um, a love there sometimes. And there isn't like right years ago, the Roxy did, um, we did a series of Marvel movies. We did, we had marvelous May. And okay. it, was, you know, it was like the, the better, the better of the MCU films, but it was, it's, it didn't do terribly well because it was like, those movies are all readily available elsewhere. Yeah. Right? It just wasn't the right context. It didn't really you'd think like, oh, man, what are the biggest movies right now? Uh, obviously Marvel movies. Those will do gangbusters. <laughs> but it really didn't because it just didn't hit that sort of that nostalgic button. These were movies that everyone takes for granted. Yeah, that makes sense, and yeah, they're
0: all available. I mean, this is now they're all in Disney Plus, and you know all that stuff. Um, That is that's interesting. But yeah, is that is that also? And I'm not sure how much you're allowed to talk about this or whatever. But like, how difficult is it to secure some of the movies for? I mean, the theater, but also for Centerfield Cinema. I know I've heard stories about a certain company that's headed by a mouse who uh, <laughs> will is- remain nameless. Uh, and and uh, I've, I've heard they're kind of difficult. And I remember when they absorbed, you know, 20th Century Fox, you know, there was a lot of stories about how it's going to be difficult for theaters to secure Fox titles now because of the way that company operates. 100%.
2: Yeah. That, yeah. Those stories wow. are accurate. It is, <laughs> it is increasingly difficult when they, and when they, you know, not a lot of thought was paid um, to to repertory cinema, when that happened, I mean, when when Disney acquired Fox, right. but these titles that you know really are sort of the bread and butter of of contemporary repertory cinema, Alien, um, right, sure. <laughs> you know, instance, when they when they sort of went into lockdown, it was a, it was a real blow. I mean, it's really something we kind of we are it, it just stymies you. Like we're when we try to program a repertory series, which which something like this de facto has to be, we are always like, oh no. No, we can't. It's Fox. No, we can't. Right. It's, you know, it, it just it gets it gets frustrating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to say the that's fair. That's fair. But the other studios have been like generally decent working with. Warner Brothers is awesome. Like they yeah. seem to just oh, it's Warner Brothers. We're fine.
3: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so I have a couple questions about certain movies that play uh, some connections I drew between <laughs> between uh, this year and last year with Centerfield Cinema. The first movie you showed last year uh, was Purple Rain, and right. the first movie you're showing this year. Is Batman both movies heavily featuring a Prince soundtrack? <laughs> I never put that together
2: before, but yeah, you're right.
1: Wow,
0: that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if that was an intentional thing or if that was just a wild
2: coincidence. It, it is a coincidence, I think. I mean, it, we um, so Purple Rain was really uh, was really hand selected by our by our ED uh, Mike Steinberg. Okay, I um, was really his. He was like ride or die, and and uh, <laughs> we were, I mean, you know, I. I I don't think he'd mind. I was, I was like, you know, there's nudity in purple rain. Like true. Yeah. (laughs) It's an R rated film with nudity. Right. And he's like, we're doing purple rain.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, was that a Roxy tradition, right? To show purple rain, like every year after Prince died, something
2: like that. I feel like I remember reading that. Yeah. I mean, he, he died before I came on. Okay. But um, yeah, I think, I think there was a, I think there was a tribute screening of purple rain either the day of, or the day after he died and a screening of, um, Siggy Stardust that year, the day that David Bowie died. Right. But yeah, that so that was really Mike's baby and it and it, you know, it worked great. I mean, yeah, I'll never forget that the the dance party you mentioned before. <laughs> like that was <laughs> but yeah, I don't you know, I think we I think the the original Batman this year, I think it's kind of uh was chosen because I think the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight was unavailable for the reasons we just talked okay about. interesting um, yeah but I know, I, I, I'm really eager to see. I haven't I have not seen the original Batman since the theater when I was I don't know seven. Oh so wow I'm wow to it yeah I haven't seen the original Batman in a long time
0: either actually it's I think that's what like cause the Dark Knight was the one that was you know the big thing when I was growing up and so I saw the Dark Knight in theaters like four times uh yeah. and I've seen it you know on blu-ray and stuff since then but like the original Batman 89, like Michael Keaton, I always liked it, um, but I n- <laughs> haven't really had the chance to go back and watch it. I own it on Blu-ray as part of like a four pack of, you know, the other Batman movies. And I, like, I don't think I've even opened that Blu-ray uh, <laughs> for whatever. Like, I, and I like those movies, like m- for most of them, two of them, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really fun to uh, check out Batman. And especially, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to Lego, to the Lego movie. I think that's going to be, I mean, the Lego movie's great and uh, fun crowd pleaser and also features Batman. So you got like two weeks of Batman movies, technically. There you uh, go. <laughs> So that makes up for the lack of the Dark Knight, I think, is to get uh, oh, Batman go. and the Lego movie. I mean, you could argue that Will Arnett is the best uh, on-screen Batman. Who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> He's had a few chances. Uh, and then, yeah, Wayne's World and potentially Pitch Perfect. That'll be great. So, yeah. So getting off of Centerfield Cinema, you guys have uh, the International Wildlife Film Festival going on right now. Uh, and this is a little bit you, – you guys have been doing the virtual film festivals, like, pretty much the past entire year. You did this film festival virtually last year, right? And then uh, – Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it was entirely virtual last year, and I mean, right. the speed in which we had to transition, I mean, everything was in motion. Right, that was like a month after everything shut down. Yeah, and I mean, the speed in which uh, the ED of, um, or the, the festival director, uh, Carrie Roche of International Wildlife Film Festival, speed in which she transitioned to a virtual festival was really uh, remarkable. And I mean, it, and it did incredibly well partly because i mean the every it was still very novel at that point that to the idea right. like, you can't leave your house right <laughs> um but this will uh, only last six weeks it's going to be fine uh, <laughs> uh, yeah oh, I, yeah yeah the the theater will reopen on april 1st and everything will be great <laughs> yeah. uh, but it also you know just it's it's programmed so you know so conscientiously and with such great stuff and this year it's um it's sort of uh we're calling it a hybrid festival it's half It's, well, I shouldn't say half, but it's, you know, the whole catalog is available online, but there are screenings at the Roxy Garden and then one screening at Ogren Park of a documentary called Kings of Fire, excuse me, Kingdoms of Fire, Ice and Fairy Tales about sort of like crazy landscapes, hundreds of feet below sea level where like the, you know, where water boils or like, right yeah, just, it uh, looks really, it looks gorgeous. So that'll be at Ogren Park not have the exact date I should but uh yeah
0: it's available <laughs> online people can like it's like yeah. wildlifefilms.org it's uh it's got the whole schedule there uh and on the roxy's facebook page and there, there's multiple sources to yeah. check that stuff out um but yes, yeah, so this, this is the first like hybrid festival you guys have been doing i think right like you guys had like the virtual kinematic festival and the virtual montana film festival so it's exciting that there's you know i, I when you guys announced that this was going to be like the hybrid festival it's like oh man it's like the signs of normalcy are starting to come oh, back. It's yeah. like gradually getting there.
2: Glimmer <laughs> of hope. yeah. This is, and I think I think it would be the first and the last. Hopefully, that it, you know, that is a that is sort of like in two worlds. I mean, maybe I don't know though. I say that, and yet, like, we, you know, we might keep some aspect of the virtual component just because we love having people view our our con. You know, I, don't, I almost said our content. Uh, you know, <laughs> view our festivals, sorry, view our festivals from all over the world. I mean, that's such a gratifying thing that we might actually try to always have. Uh, an online component to our festivals going forward and I think a lot of theaters will too. Yeah, I've been seeing that like, you know, that
0: kind of sentiment where like, you know, Sundance was entirely virtual this year and all that kind of stuff. Like a lot of the major festivals like, you know, did the virtual component and it actually worked really well for them so I think that you're going to start seeing like there's going to have the physical thing but You know, yeah, there's no reason why Sundance, like, now that they did it once, like, everybody's going to want, like, why can't we do Sundance again this year? Like, just (laughs) from our homes. Uh, And you guys are opening up the Roxy Garden for this, which is exciting, because that had to close down due to weather, you know, at the end of October. And uh, I made it out to almost every Roxy Garden screening last year. Uh, At least, you you guys would show, like, one movie every weekend, like, three times, like, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Right. and And you guys showed, what I liked about the Roxy Garden is that it was, you know, movies that are like generally pretty like popular movies, but ones that wouldn't fill the ballpark at at (laughs) (laughs) center. Yeah. (laughs) But could easily fill like a 24 seat, uh, back alley thing outside the rock
2: city. Uh (laughs) It gives gives us an opportunity to, to to show films that, I mean, you know, we, we love the films we show at the ballpark, but I mean, you know it's it's really it's really special to be able to show like best in show or or um like headwig or, and the angry inch or something headwig and yeah. the angry inch smoke signals Yeah, you know films that, that we're that we're passionate about and that definitely have a missoula audience but that yeah we we cannot fill unfortunately fill a ballpark with
1: right i was very jealous of uh, the roxy gardens specifically mike has a good story about watching a uh, rear window in the back alley there and that sounds like the coolest thing of all
2: time yeah it's a very immersive experience <laughs> yeah for i mean mike because the um there's apartment complex above the theater yeah windows <laughs> facing <laughs> is that like people were walking back and forth <laughs> uh, <laughs> and silhouettes. So cool. yes like people were having a sort of you know a, a more innocent version of uh of jimmy's <laughs> yeah. experience while they watched it it was like, yes. the, like you couldn't plan mm-hmm. a more perfect uh Perfect way to see that film.
0: Yeah. It, it was like a VR version of uh, a <laughs> fruit window. <laughs> like you just 4D. fully immersed. Yeah. 4d, uh, D what uh, was <laughs> 4d X or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was so cool. It was, it was like those, you know, you hear about like the jaws in the water screenings where you have like, you know, people sitting like sitting out in a river watching jaws on a screen. Like that was what we re- like, you know, I can't think of anybody like any other place that has had like a rear window in an apartment complex <laughs> screening before. Yeah. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, so the Roxy gardens opening up for the wildlife, Film Festival, and then after the festival's over, are you guys going to be moving back into uh,
2: normal screenings? Yes, starting in May and nice. going through the end of, end of September. I think I think we learned a hard lesson from last year about October in Montana just does not work
3: for
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, no. I, I remember with Centerfield Cinema, like that was when the uh, the crowd started to dwindle.
0: Like yeah, every week, like you see like, oh, yeah, it's getting really cold. And I remember being there the last one and just like, you know, basically freezing. But I was like, I committed to going to every one of these. <laughs> we got to go. I think that was Beetlejuice. And it was like, you know, a pretty small crowd. It had a blast. It was so much fun, but it was still just like, eh, it's it's getting really cold now. Uh,
2: but you, can then the, I remember- you can see those storm clouds like yes. move in sometimes from the <laughs> west. And
0: it's, yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh and and with the Roxy guard I remember there's a few screenings. Like I had tickets to like uh I think the thing I had tickets to and a few others that uh, unfortunately, got like snowed out because it was just like, eh, it's
2: October in Montana, so what? What are you going yeah. to do? Which, which would also have been the perfect way to see the thing, but yes, you know, that's yeah, what I was saying. We couldn't <laughs> commit to that, unfortunately. Yeah, so I ended up watching the thing at home,
0: and it was, you know, it was still good, but like it would have been nice to watch that in the middle of a snowstorm. Like if, if there's one movie that you could watch in the middle of a snowstorm, but while while freezing, I feel like the thing would be the one. It's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, all right, so yeah, so Centerfield Cinema starts up this week, April 22nd, International Wildlife Film Festival going on right now, The Roxy and opening up in May for regular films, The Roxy Theater possibly potentially opening up in June, we'll see, but hopefully tent- tentatively, yeah? Maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh all right so yeah mike thank you so much for joining us and you're going
2: to stick around because uh we're going to do some discussions right yeah but i can can i mention one thing real quick we're yes will be yet another series coming uh we're gonna we're calling it uh movie night on the hip strip or hip strip movie nights and it's coming to the parking lot of the senior center oh nice Uh, oh
3: my god yeah
2: yeah we're yet another We are, we are maxing out the end of this quarantine. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's great. So, that's, I mean, you guys have done, I think,
0: one or two screenings over there before, right? I feel like yeah. I remember you, well, you guys shut down um, for renovations like summer 2019. And right. uh, you showed like Ferris Bueller at the, uh, the Senior Center, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, this is going to be like
2: a similar setup to that? Yes, exactly. The uninflatable screen, bring your own chair. Uh, or rent a chair and yeah in the just kind of right there in the parking lot we have i think we have we have a line i mean we're we're still again everything's tentative but we have a lineup going from may to the end of september yeah okay any anything you can announce yet or uh, you keep um, it on lock some things we've locked we locked uh spider-man into the spider-verse oh yeah uh <laughs> practice club royal Bombs, do the right thing nice um tombstone oh muppet movie we're trying really <laughs> hard we're we're now trying to get uh point point break is trying to get I don't know why they're keeping that under wraps uh <laughs> School of rock that's, that's that's a great lineup right there those are yeah.
3: some great
1: movies I, i'm truly baffled that i mean in like the best way that the the amount of like like municipal support the Roxy must have that you can just be like, yeah, we get the parking lot there. <laughs> I'm like, that's amazing. That's, I want to live in that world. Like, do you need a roommate?
0: I'm coming. <laughs> uh, I have a one bedroom apartment, Mike. It's a, you can scratch my couch. Uh, <laughs> okay. Fair. <laughs> um, but yeah. Awesome. So that's, that's going to start in June, Mike, you said? Uh, in, in May. Oh, late in May. May. In yeah. May, late May. Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be, I, and I, I saw that in the newsletter too, where like in the last sentence, you're like, and I think we're doing uh, things at the senior center, but there wasn't like any expansion he, on that. Yeah. So. We, yeah. I mean, we have to be a little vague. Um, but. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, yeah, that's everything going on at the Roxy Theater, the Roxy Garden, Centerfield Cinema, the Wild Day Festival, the Senior Center, all that stuff. So much cool stuff happening uh, at the Roxy this summer. And I'm so excited to get back. I mean, uh, I didn't talk. To, I didn't t- say this before at the top, but the very first thing I did when I came to Missoula, uh, which was August 2018, uh, was when, you know, because I, I came out here, didn't know anybody, came out here for like my job and, uh, you know, just kind of was settling into town and like had no, like a big part of the reason why I came out here is like oh they do have an independent theater like moving from New York to Montana I was like that's not going to be a guarantee like that's not that's not going <laughs> to yeah. be something that I was uh guaranteed about so I was moving out here and I was like oh they have an independent theater I'll check this out uh and I ended up getting an apartment like right around the corner from the Roxy so I walk here all the time uh but the very first weekend I was in Missoula I came to the Roxy uh and I went to go see Kiki's Delivery Service uh because you guys nice. know, like a, a Miyazaki uh retrospective which uh and yeah. at that point at that point I had never seen any Miyazaki movies uh so it was was like a big like you know whoa like this is a whole new world for me uh, and i was able to uh, catch up there and i was like yeah i'm i'm gonna like missoula it's gonna be a cool place <laughs> <laughs> uh but all right so yeah that's all the stuff happening at the roxy let's move on into some discussions Watch this. these are my
3: discussions. just when i thought i said all i could say my body and i talk about movies we see these are my discussion yeah so much to see you and me so we're
0: going to talk about movies for our discussions all right it's time for some uh, discussions here on Mike might Mike go to the movies
2: uh, Mike Mike we will start with you what have you uh, got to discuss with us today um i really have become really passionate about um, a show on hbo max called uh, how to with john wilson
3: the people that put up scaffolding are affectionately known as scaffies and they may do more to alter the landscape than any other group of people in New York. They are a polarizing bunch. Uh, They seem like a vigorous and virile breed. But there are also hierarchies uh, within the business that most people may be unaware of. A scaffy is someone that actually erects most of the structure. A groundy is someone that yells at the scaffy from the street to make sure they're doing the right thing. The Planky is in charge of all the wood. The Flagger tells civilians where to walk, uh, while the Beam boys move the steel overhead. The Foreman makes sure that everything is done according to OSHA safety standards. Every crew has a a Hammer Guy, uh, just one, or sometimes two, two Hammer Guys. Uh, the roll dog drives the crew between job sites. The bathroom attendant gives them a, a pot to piss in. The sweet man cools them down at the end of a long afternoon. And Spot here uh, grabs them the paper. a boy. And when they all work together, this glorious ballet produces a majority of New York's roughly 280 miles of scaffolding.
2: It's amazing. It's like, yeah. it's... Straight up, one of the best things I've seen in years. Um, It is he's basically like compiled it through like he's been making these videos for of just his life in New York, is what he sees on the street for years, and has compiled them. I think Nathan Fielder, Nathan uh, for you, yeah, executive producer. I think kind of and maybe introduced him to the right people to get this made into a series. He's trying to solve in each episode like a very simple like how to make the perfect risotto. (laughs) or how to improve your memory, or like how to take care of your furniture. And that extrapolates, you never really see him, but that extrapolates into this point of view storytelling that is like, it's so novel and and bizarre. Um, His sensibility is so great. I don't want to, I don't want to like spoil it or or overhype it, but it is just (laughs) such a great, great show. And uh, yeah, I would really urge everyone to check that out.
0: Nice. Yeah. I've, uh, I've heard great things about that. And that's like, John Wilson's a comedian, I guess. Right. And he's like, or is he a comedian documentarian? Like what is he? I think he's an editor
2: primarily. I think like, really? the, wow. yeah, I think he's, I, I think this is like the first, as far as I know, this is like the, his first kind of solo project. I mean, he's, it, the show's hilarious. Okay. But
0: it's like, it's sort of like in the style of like a Nathan for you type thing where like, he's like, Like, it's dealing with the real world,
2: essentially, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And just, I mean, the sort of, like, yeah, there's a lot of wordplay, or, like, because there's a voiceover going through every episode. You know, uh, one moment I, I really love is he'll say, like, oh, they, you know, they... They don't let the dogs go. They'll show a little dog. They don't. They, the, the they don't get let the, the cats go anywhere, but the pigs go anywhere they want. And they'll. there's like NYPD officers. <laughs> and then right before you, the joke can like fully register. Video of someone walking a pig. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's it's sort of like I mean, if you've ever seen of all things, um, the film *Sans Soleil*, the Chris Marker film from the '80s, uh, which is sort of like. Point of view filmmaking in in Tokyo and, and Guinea-Bissau and, and this voiceover describing these strange experiences that this quasi-fictional filmmaker is having there. It's like that, but American and a comedy mm-hmm. and, and and easily digestible in these in these 30-minute, six, 30-minute episodes. <laughs> okay. Um, re, yeah, again, it's like it's like nothing like nothing else out there the last one especially the uh, the one i mentioned uh, how to make the perfect risotto is is kind of the co- is the last episode and it's the COVID episode it's the episode in which new york ah. new york really shut down i mean although it's funny it's also just profoundly moving because it's sort of like it's treating this we're, we've already kind of taken this story for granted of like w- of what new york went through but it i don't know it's a, a fresh lens on it it's sort of through the perspective of his neighbor who's 90 and italian and doesn't really have anyone to talk to anymore and he wants to make a risotto to comfort her um and he's and he's you know a fuck up and he can't um but uh yeah it's just it's just a beautiful show and uh yeah urge you to take a look
0: nice yeah i've heard i've heard it's awesome i, I think yeah. uh end of 2019 i kept seeing it on like you know tv critics top 10 list of the year and that kind of thing and so i've heard like I've, it's been on the radar before whatever reason it seems like it should just be an easy like six episodes i should have watched it. By yeah. now. It's, it's very easy to make time for that but I uh, haven't done that yet so yeah i've heard it's, i've heard it's great i'm excited to check it out um so that's how to with john wilson that's an hbo max uh mike what else you've been watching
2: um let's see um you know i when the when the Pandemic started. And when I, you know, started working from home, I thought I would like, I'm like looking at my notes, like, Oh, I'm going to, I was going to watch like all the Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson movies. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> and yeah. I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, there are some movies on, uh, on criterion channel right now uh that i really love uh california split the robert altman movie yes <laughs> we're huge we, we also do a a podcast about jeff goldblum uh where we were
0: watching all the jeff goldblum movies and that was like episode two because he pops up for like three seconds in california, right. split. Yeah. <laughs> a
3: california Split, one line in california Split.
0: and so as a result we like you know we got to talk about goldblum
2: for like five seconds and then just talked about like california split and how good that movie is for like an hour. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible and uh it popped up on prime There's like and and people were i mean i i knew the film i'd never seen it but it popped up on prime at some point during the pandemic i think during the summer and people were like oh this is the uncut version It had always been sort of like mm. hard to get a hold of because of music rights yeah um, but that's now on, now on uh, criterion channel and uh, yeah it's such a wonderful film yeah i think it's my favorite robert altman movie like genuinely it's it's, it's up there for me too yeah yeah i don't yeah it would be top 5 for me as well um I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the on the actor's name, also who just passed away. Uh, George, the, Siegel. George Siegel. George Segal. Siegel is extraordinary in it, as a, as is Elliot Gould. You know, it's about two uh, gambling addicts in California in the '70s. Just, it's a it's an incredibly hilarious movie, but also um, just incredibly soulful. Yeah, I love that film. And what else? I'm uh, really we're really, really liking the HBO series Made for Love. This is an adaptation of uh, Alyssa Nutting's novel uh about a young woman who she was involved it's she's played by Kristen miliotti she was involved with a sort of like hideous uh tech bro
0: okay yeah i've I've seen the
2: the you know the
0: thumbnail for
1: the show like scrolling through hbo max yeah i remember the commercial yeah
2: Yeah, she's she's (laughs) now escaped him and is hiding out with her father played by ray romano and uh the sex doll that he is uh in a relationship with Amazing. and uh but her situation is a little complicated by the fact that she has a chip in her head that is sort of like fusing her mind with her ex-husbands okay uh, <laughs> oh, no. yeah it's, it's it's like it's it's like i mean it's, it's a like science fiction it's sort of like in the in science fiction the black mirror mold but it's like yeah but it's everything is sort of treated like just par for the course these you know This is just the world as it's presented to you kind of thing. Yeah, really, really dig that show. And uh, yeah, going back a little bit, um, you guys talked about it at length, but I just want to add my add my name to the chorus of huge fans of Barb and star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> <laughs> that, movie, that movie is extraordinary. I yes. love it so much. It, I've seen it now like three times during course.
0: Nice. I've only watched it the one time cause I, you know, it's 20 bucks to rent it. So it's, I, I didn't uh, end up buying it, but uh, I watched it the one time and had a blast with it. I watched it with my girlfriend. And I think by the end of it, she was just kind of exhausted by the,
3: by the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's
0: so, But I think she, you know, she liked it for the most part. I mean, there's so, there's so much good stuff in there. Like, uh, you know, Jamie Dornan's big musical number and all that stuff. It's, it's the best.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, in retrospect, it's like I've never seen that guy in anything. I've never seen it. Neither have I. Yeah, the, I, I never saw Fifty Shades thing or
0: anything. And that's like yeah. what
2: he's most known for. Uh, and oh, yeah. And the, you know, the, uh, the Fall, the series he made uh, about. That's what I know Greg. him from. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never seen that. And, but, you know, I. so I had this in, idea of him as like really grim, brooding <laughs> actor. And then, yeah, he's like, right frolicking in this
3: <laughs> yeah like my, just, my
0: only familiarity with him was like the meme from the 50 shades movies where it's like uh, like i don't even remember what the meme was but it's just like show me like whatever like you know oh, show, yeah like uh, my my tastes are unusual or whatever uh but so like i only knew him from like those like that four picture meme on on twitter yeah. uh and then seeing him in this was just like man like and it's weird like it feels like you know it, it's it's one of those performances that is going to like you know change his image entirely from like being that brooding guy to being like somebody kind of like a John Hamm who is like, yeah. just
2: able to do like comedy and goofy stuff really easily. He's so game. I mean, he's, he's yeah. so, you know, the, yeah, the performance is so felt and um Weig and her partner, Mumolo, I believe it's called. Uh, Annie Mumolo. Yeah, I think so. Mumolo uh, are also are fantastic. Yeah. There's a certain kind of movie like hot, you know, like hot rod is. Love is hot rod. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very much in that spirit. It's just, you know, hot rod about about middle aged women.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's what I was, I think what we were saying,
2: what we were saying when we talked about it was like,
0: you know, I was expecting something more in the mold of like bridesmaids, because that's what Kristen Wiig and Molo co wrote together before so it's like well that's their sensibility they're like kind of in the apatow mold and uh instead they're like oh this is like an austin powers movie uh and it's great <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect description
1: yeah <laughs> yeah mike d did you ever watch uh, a and star yet have you seen that uh, i've never seen i've never gotten around to the whole thing but i've seen like clips of it and stuff on twitter uh you know okay and things like that co- i've heard it out of, kind of context of bits <laughs> Yeah, I heard it come up a lot, uh, like on podcasts, best of 2020 lists and stuff, a lot of discussions. Uh, so I guess now I guess I got to add it to the list.
0: I guess yeah. I got to check it out. Definitely recommend. I mean, at this point it's been out since, uh, I think late February. So the price is probably going down very soon. Uh, I don't know. If it's, yeah. if it's not already, uh, I, I'm, I'm very confused by like how long the uh, <laughs> the price stays 20 bucks for some of these VOD movies. Cause I've been waiting to watch news of the world, uh, for a while until like the price goes down to like six bucks, the new Paul Greengrass movie. Uh, and it, it finally did. But like that movie came out in like October and I was like checking back every once in a while. I'm like, Oh, still 20 bucks, still, <laughs> still 20 bucks. And I do want to watch it, but I, like, I, you know, I can't afford to spend twenty bucks in every movie I watch at home. Uh, so yeah, so uh, news of the world is six dollars now. FYI for anybody listening, uh, I, <laughs> I think *Barb and Star* might still be twenty dollars. I'm not exactly sure, um, but awesome. So that is *Barb and Perfect. Star* go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, well worth checking
1: out. Super funny movie. Uh, Mike D, what you've been watching lately? Um, i watched a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I'll start with a movie I watched last weekend, uh, which was right after we finished recording our last Mike and Mike pod uh, episode. And I had my my covid vaccine fever uh, and I was like on the couch languishing, uh, flipping through Netflix, trying to find out what to watch. And I landed on uh, the Safety Brothers Good Time, <laughs> from, <laughs> from 2017. Okay, I've, tr- I've been trying to make you watch this movie for a while. You have, yeah. You've been trying to get me to watch this for a long time, and I, you know, I've only seen uncut gems uh, previously as my my ex- uh, exposure. Um, and I figured, what better time than in a fever induced haze uh, to watch a just absolutely anxiety inducing movie where nobody's <laughs> full face is ever in frame. It's only a close up, uh, terrifying when you're just like, you don't know what's happening. Um, uh, but yeah, it rocks. It was really cool. It's, you know, it's the it's the the uh, blacklight aesthetic that I was familiar from, from Uncut Gems. Um, and I'm glad I watched it. It was really cool. Robert Pattinson, you know, I, I feel like this was kind of the, at least like in the popular consciousness, maybe like his post-Twilight beginning of the Renaissance or the yeah. first time I became aware of like, he's just making art movies now, uh, yes. which is pretty cool. But now uh, with, transitioning back into blockbusters with like Tenet and the Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he can do, He's got every dollar in the world. He can do whatever he wants. Sure, um, so That's awesome. That's cool. Uh, so, yeah, good times. Good time. Uh, good time was really cool. It, it was a good time, you're saying? It was a good time, <laughs> and maybe more so because I had a fever. I'm not sure. Yeah, that sort of parallels my experience with Uncut Gems, which actually, uh, Mike, uh, Mike
0: oh, yeah. E, I, I watched Uncut Gems the Roxy. I did a double feature of Uncut Gems and Little Women. Uh, and yeah. yeah, which was, you know, I, I did it wrong because I should have seen little Women second. I saw, I saw little women first. Uh, and then there was like a half hour break between movies or something like that. And so me and my girlfriend left little women and we really liked it. And, uh, we got a slice of pizza and then, uh, and then I came back to the theater and uh, I think like my stomach just started like, you know. Hurting like it started like there was like a sharp pain in my stomach uh, while I was watching Uncut Gems, uh, which is already an anxiety inducing, de- like, yeah. you know. So I had like you know potential food poisoning watching Uncut Gems. And I think at one point my girlfriend's like, "Should we leave?" It's like I, I want to watch this movie. <laughs> I got to see how this all plays <laughs> out.
2: That's especially uh, that's especially apropos since Uncut Gems begins with a colonoscopy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it might have been what triggered it. Actually, that might have been what <laughs> triggered it. <laughs> that <laughs> that <might've> been- <laughs> No good, the best choice. Um, yes, I, I have. such a special place in my heart. Good, uh, good time was the first movie I ever actually ever programmed at the Roxy. Was That's Really, right, right before I started, um, my girlfriend Becca, who is our press coordinator, and uh, Marshall Granger, who used to make all our trailers, like really fought hard to get that movie to play. And so uh, that yeah, that was the first thing I ever I ever programmed. I, mean, I, I love the Safdie brothers. I love Good Time. I love Uncut Gems. And so like. I don't know. I'll always have a special place in my heart for that film. Cause there's just like that my quote unquote career started there. Yeah. <laughs> nice. When you reopen the Roxy,
0: a safety retrospective should be like the first thing, if you want this, the most uncommercial uh, <laughs> possible,
2: possible way to reopen the theater. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, exactly. That would be, I mean, like I, it's tough because I love those films, but like, and we did, and we did pretty well with. We didn't do so so great with Uncut Gems, but because it didn't have Adam Sandler. Um, sure. but with right. With, or excuse me, I'm sorry. With uh, it was good time, yeah. But with uh, Uncut Gems, we you know we had it for a while. But I mean, more walkouts from that film than anything we've ever wow. seen. that that makes sense. That is 100 yeah. like I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Critics love,
2: critics love that film, but I don't think, and like, film Twitter loves it, but I don't think people really get like how much audiences. Really didn't like that movie for the <laughs> most. <laughs> like, yeah. Or on Rotten Tomatoes is like 95 45. I mean it's yes.
0: yes. Wow. Uh, I remember everybody was shocked but when Adam Sandler didn't get the Oscar nomination for Uncut Gems. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's incredible in that movie, I think, but like I get why he didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it makes sense. <laughs> All right, Mike, what else have you been watching?
1: I know we we've talked about uh too a bunch on the on the podcast throughout the year that like, you know, during the pandemic, sort of like what Mike talked about, like I'm gonna watch every movie. Uh, and I just go back to the same ten comfort movies every time. <laughs> um <laughs> and well, I guess while I'm here, I, I wasn't gonna talk about this now, but uh this past weekend, um my friends and I when the F9 Fast and the Furious uh trailer dropped, some of my friends we have like, you know, a Discord uh server together and stuff, and they were like, Oh, I've never I've never seen any of these movies, but like I kinda want to. And I was like, ah, Cove my children <laughs> um, and, uh, and we watched the first one last week or, or during the week and they're like everyone was kind of like oh, I'm free on Sunday what if we just like you know get everyone you know pick up some breakfast or whatever and we'll just start watching movies and we'll give up when we all get tired and we proceeded to watch uh, all s- the, the other seven movies yesterday uh, <laughs> so, so you know,
0: so you watched all the fast and Furious movies this past summer um, which you know yes. they, 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 that was all rewatches again um, because we did a let's rank the fast and Furious movie episode uh, of of this
1: podcast Uh, not even six months ago probably I've had just watched all of them uh, (laughs) and now I just watched all of them again and honestly it made uh watching all set you know too Fast, Too Furious all the way up through Fate of the Furious in one day made Fate of the Furious kind of rock. <laughs> I don't know if I was like delirious because it was after midnight by then. Sure, But like, you know, uh, it's it's so much more fun. I think it's sort of like what we were sort of talking about before, just like craving that communal movie experience. Like being with a group of friends, even though we're only on voice chat watching a movie, but like when the the vault rolls through the bank in Fast Five, we were all yeah. like, yeah! <laughs> like we all went nuts it was the coolest <laughs> shit ever uh so i really uh crave <laughs> the communal uh movie watching experience again yeah uh, but yeah having having all the my friends together uh cheering when dom jukes the heat-seeking missile into hitting the submarine at the end of fate of the furious and we all erupted in applause at 2 a.m <laughs> awesome times nice mike if you're
0: looking for ideas for sandfield cinema fast five is uh, is definitely yeah. a-
3: <laughs> that's gotta it's,
0: be one it's an option <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I I can't I can't quite keep straight which are like I I I, a friend of mine is is a huge Fast and the Furious fan and like has he's he's given me like his detailed rankings <laughs> yeah. uh, but I never keep straight which are the ones that are. You know, are which are actually good better, and which ones are like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, that's, that's also a
0: weird thing that a lot of Fast and Furious fans have. They all have like very specific opinions on which ones are mm-hmm. good and which ones are bad. Uh, like There's a huge hive of people that are like, Tokyo Drift is the best one. And sane people are like, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> it's fine at best. It's yeah. got some cool race scenes. It's got the kid rock scene. Um, you know, exactly. all that stuff. I just,
2: uh, I just always liked it. like that they started out stealing VCRs. Yes. <laughs> 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 That was a common a refrain. Piloting drones and... <laughs> Sending rocket Fast cars in the space. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, by the time we got to Fast Five and and, and you know, Fast and Furious Six, we were like, remember when they were stealing a million dollars worth of VCRs in the first <laughs> one? Uh, hilarious that yes. that this is where we go. And then they're all prequels, which is even funnier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, they have to yeah. back up too,
2: yeah. Have yeah. They caught up now though, right? They they're caught up yes. now.
0: Yeah. So it was one and two, and then Tokyo Drift comes out, and then four, five, and six are all prequels of Tokyo Drift. Uh, and then like seven is like right after it. Cause like Han dies in Tokyo Drift and then he's in four, five, and six. So they have to send him back to Tokyo. And now they're bringing Han back in fast and furious nine, just to make
1: things extra confusing. I gotta right? know how they do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that was, those are my comfort movies. Uh, but before I got watched all my comfort movies, uh, I was talking, going to talk about, uh, a movie from 2020 that I finally got around to watching. Cause there was like, Oh, I have so much free time. I could watch every new movie. Uh, and then I didn't. But I finally got around to uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow.
4: My ticker, not gonna slow me down. Look at that photograph out there, all blown up. Good guys, locking up the bad guys. There's the old crowd. Yeah, I remember bank robbery in 1979. Got the head man on the phone, he was so mad. Got his daughter down here, put her on the bullhorn. He cried like a baby, went to pieces. They marched out, single file, hands in the air. That was 40-something years ago. went like that. I'm going to have a hard time getting my generation off the stage. Willie Nelson still doing concerts? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Dad, Willie Nelson is a guitar player, and he's not doing a lot of heavy police work. This is scary. It's new. I never saw a body like that.
2: It's a murder. It's nothing new. Treat it like a murder.
4: You get the team together, all right? You get all the guys together, you handle them, I'll handle everything else. Oh, my God. What is this? 11 new emails on this thing this morning. Jesus Christ, this is worse than my birthday.
1: Which is Robert Forster's uh, final appearance. Yes, it um, is. Oh, Wow. Cool. Yeah, which is pretty cool. He's got he plays the kind of uh, elderly town sheriff that let you know, refuses to retire kind of thing, uh, and this is uh, written and directed by and starring I think yeah starring Jim Cummings, which uh, he's a you know the deputy or whatever in this kind of small ski town where a, a brutal murder occurs, and immediately the whole town's like it's a werewolf um <laughs> he's like he's the only one you know he's he's the the, the only one that refuses to to acknowledge that no were, werewolves aren't real that can't be true uh and then it's just a escalating series of of unfortunate events around uh, surrounding, surrounding, Carrey, yes yes exactly surrounding uh <laughs> potential werewolf murders. Uh, Ricky Home is in this and she's incredible. Like I've never seen her in like a kind of dramatic role. I mean, she's just still Dram- f- dramatic ish. It's like it, it, yeah. the movie walks a weird line. It, it does, does. Yeah, it's 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 pretty funny uh, at times, you know, kind of wacky, but also like very gory, uh, you know, has horror moments and stuff. So that was that was really cool. And uh, that's on uh, Prime for free right now.
0: Nice. Yeah, I watched that a few months ago on a uh, video on demand and uh, worth checking out. I wasn't like I expected to love it. And I think I just like liked it quite a bit. Yeah, um, but it's uh, it's it's definitely just a, a weird movie. I know Jim Cummings has another movie called Thunder Road, which uh, came out a couple of years ago that I have not seen. I heard heard it's very good, Mike. Have you yeah, watched it? Well, uh, you know, Thunder Road or Wolf of Snow Hollow?
2: I haven't seen Wolf of Snow Hollow uh, though. Now I definitely make it a priority. But uh, Thunder, <laughs> Thunder Road was an MTF movie. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was part yeah. of the MTF film festival, and I yeah. It, for, well, it was yeah. First, in it's uh, I think like we showed it as a short, and oh, then wow. the short was expanded, and
0: we showed that later. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. How are things coming together for Montana Film Festival this year? Is that I'm guessing it's like a year long process to you know yeah I, get that you know, together.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what you been watching? What else you been watching? Any uh, other stuff? Um, I've got a couple more things. Uh, real quick, I'll talk about the. Um, HBO miniseries, uh, I think, came out in the summer or the fall. I don't really know. I don't know. What is time but pandemic time? Um, <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Uh, as we've established many times at the podcast, I don't know what time is anymore. Um, <laughs> and that is the, the miniseries is called The Third Day. Um, and this is a like BBC, HBO co-production thing. I don't know. I don't know how TV distribution rights work, uh, but <laughs> this, uh, uh, it stars, uh, Jude Law and Naomi Harris. And it is this kind of uh, story. J- Jude Law is this like, you know, grieving parent, grieving father, um, who uh, every year on the anniversary of his son's death goes and like puts another piece of his son's clothing in the river or stream where his body was found. And his this uh, it's like a toddler aged uh, child, so it's like particularly very tragic. Uh, and then, while walking around, this is all like in the first fifteen minutes uh, near there, he encounters this girl, young girl, uh, about to hang herself in the forest, and he saves her and decides to drive her home. And uh, to she lives on this island off the coast that's only accessible by this one road that you can only drive on during a low tide because during high tide, the road is cover is under the water. Uh, so he drives her to the Island, brings her home. Uh, and of course gets waylaid, misses low tide, has to spend the night uh, and then folk horror shenanigans ensue. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, a weird <laughs> wicker man. Was he led here? What's happening? Who's, how is he connected to this Island? Patty Considine is in it also who I love. Uh, he plays the, like the best Like, oh, shucks, I'm just a nice charming local man. Actually, I'm bad um, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, hes I feel like he, he nails that a lot in a lot of his roles. Yeah, and it's its very creepy. It's really, like, highly stylized. I think it's the same team. I watched some of the, like, you know, HBO has the, like, inside the episode stuff. Right. Uh, also, the same team that made the BBC version of Utopia, which I really loved. So, yeah, it's really beautiful, uh, really great writing. And then it makes this, like, weird time jump thing in the second it's six episodes in the back three episodes with Naomi Harris. Uh, and she's awesome. So yeah, definitely, definitely recommend if you've got that that folk horror itch uh, the third day. Third day, which is on HBO Max, you said, right? Yes,
0: yeah. Cool, all right. And uh, is is there anything else on your list, Mike, or is that it? Oh, I didn't realize I was going to do all of them.
1: Yeah, I got one more. we're doing it all. Yeah, I got one more. We talked about George Segal uh, with California Split. And uh, after he passed away a couple weeks ago, I think, or whatever that was, I saw uh, a lot of people, you know, recommending movies that he's been in. And there was one film critic, I think it was Mike Ryan, tweeting about uh, The Hot Rock which is a movie from 1972 directed by Peter Yates. Uh, and it stars Robert Redford and George Segal. And it's just like whimsy heist shenanigans. It's great. It was so, it's like an absolute <laughs> blast. A movie I never really heard, about, heard of or anything like that. And Robert Redford gets out of prison like during the opening credits and George Segal picks him up and drives him immediately to another heist. Um, and it's like, oh, it's like that kind of thing. Uh, and then things just go wrong from there. And they just have to keep stealing this diamond from different people as the heists go wrong every time. And it's Zero Mustel is in it and in a in uh, little oh, crazy. You know, supporting role, which is great. Love him. And I think it's available on Hulu uh, right now. There was there is a uh, I looked it up. There's a Twilight Time Blu-ray, but I think it's out of print, which is unfortunate. So it's super expensive because mm. I wish I had owned it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the hot rock. If you want like you know, kind of quick 70s heist Robert Redford. Uh, comedy stuff it's great nice that sounds awesome yeah i yeah. and i remember George Siegel of course died a
3: couple
0: of weeks ago and george Siegel had such an illustrious like long film career and uh, i felt like the prevailing sentiment I saw on Twitter was like oh no the grandpa from the Goldbergs died yeah uh, it's yeah. <laughs> it basically it uh which you know I'm, I'm sure he was great in the Goldbergs I never really watched the show uh it made me like sad thinking that like oh when Elliot Gould dies everybody's gonna be like oh Monica's dad from friends he passed away
1: <laughs> yeah. that guy from the oceans movies
0: <laughs> yeah it's like oh, I watched the long goodbye it's so good uh um, <laughs> Watch <laughs> California Split. Watch <laughs> California Split. You get both of them. Elliot Gould, George Segal. I mean, they, they are really incredible in that movie together. But All right. Now, I have a few uh, discussions to talk about. I have a bunch of recent movies. Uh, first, though, before I get into those, uh, I want to mention that I, uh, I've begun my journey to open the Book of Saw uh, <laughs> because... <laughs> The new Saw movie comes out uh, next month. Spiral, the book from the book of Saw, or whatever it's called, uh, which it's so weird that like they're relaunching this series in the way that they are. It's like Chris Rock had the idea for a new Saw movie, and he came to Lionsgate, and they're like. Yeah, all right. Let's do a Saw. <laughs> I guess I'm uh, going to say no. Yeah, Chris Rock wants to do a Saw movie, let's let him do it. Uh and so but like the way they're advertising it it's much more of like a detective story than what I thought the Saw movies tended to be. And the thing is I I had never seen any of the Saw movies. Uh but the trailer for Spiral made it look kind of interesting. Uh and so I was like, "You know what? I found the uh, the $10 blu-ray of the saw collection at walmart uh you know it's all eight movies and i figure why not just marathon all the saw movies like it's eight movies but they're all relatively short they're all like 90 to 100 minutes so doable within the next uh, few weeks so i watched the first two saw movies uh this past weekend and uh are you guys
2: saw fans at all or familiar with the saw movies at all Sadly, no i mean i'm familiar with them i've, I've never i've never seen one you've never opened uh, the book of saw uh, <laughs> never opened the book of saw <laughs> uh
0: yeah you know i you know the original saw is one that uh you know i remember it coming out. I was like 11 when that movie came out. but And so it was a movie that was a little bit before I was like allowed to watch a movie like Saw, you know, it was like, yeah. you know, R, it was like super R-rated and like, you know, everything I had heard about it made it seem like it was the goriest movie ever made. And it kind of kicked off the whole torture porn craze of like the 2000s and stuff like that. Uh, but it was also directed by James Wan. And uh, James Wan's somebody who I'm generally a fan of. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of Insidious, but I love the Conjuring movies. Uh, and, you know, Aquaman is fun. He made a uh, Fast and Furious movie, Furious 7. Uh, Furious
1: 7, the best Fast and Furious movie.
0: Someone would argue that Best, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So James James Wan uh, got a, kind of got to start doing Saw, and also Lee Winnell, who uh, you know it now does The Invisible Man and Upgrade and all that kind of stuff. Lee I Winnell co wrote Saw, and also stars in the movie, which I did not know. Uh, yeah. Lee Unnel, like Lee Wanell is one of the guys trapped in the uh, in the cellar with Carrie Elways. It's him and Carrie Elways. It's, like, it's a two hander with those two
2: guys. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I love both those, both Upgrade and The Invisible Man. Are- Terrific. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was a huge fan yeah. of those.
0: Uh, so I was like shocked to find out that like
2: he was the star of
0: the movie also. Like he was also the actor in Saw. Uh, I think he also pops up in the Insidious movies too somewhere. But uh, Saw, for those who don't know, is a movie about a Saw. Uh, And (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, it's two guys trapped in a cellar. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about the first Saw is that it's not really the gore fest that I expected it to be. Uh, You know, I think last week we had uh, Giles Alderson and Johnny Grant on the show who uh, were the director and co-writers of a movie called The Dare, which we compared to Saw. Me not having seen Saw, I compared it to Saw. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because it was a, sim- a similar concept but then watching saw i was like you know what so, like the dare is way gorier than saw is like so like yeah. saw really doesn't have like saw is like this weird narr- twisty turny narrative that has like carrie elwes and lee winnell trying to piece together how they got down in the cellar uh and trying to figure out like you know the mystery behind who put them there and then at the end it gets pretty gory but like there's torture scenes that you kind of see throughout the movie they're all like sped up and fast forwarded and like it looks like a, a honestly saw reminded me of like a new metal music video of like the, of like the <laughs> mid 2000s like it felt like it was like a limp biscuit type thing at some points <laughs> yeah. uh, given that is like that sounds like a knock and it sort of is but also it kind of fits in with the aesthetic of that movie and just the time period that it came out in 2001 uh, 2004, I think it was actually. Oh, like. was it really? Wow. Yeah. 2004. Uh, and, and then after, and then it was basically every year after that, there was a Saw movie for like yeah. six or seven, <laughs> for like six or seven years because they were so cheap to make and like they could just crank them out. Uh, I actually thought Saw was pretty good. It's, it's not the movie I was expecting it to be. Uh, and definitely like the, the twist at the end, like did make me go like, Oh, holy shit. That's, that's wild. Can't believe. Like I, and I feel like I had like gotten parts of it through like a uh, cultural osmosis or whatever, but, uh, you know, actually seeing it in action and seeing how it, you know, transpired by the end of the movie was uh, was a pretty cool way to see it all come together. Some of it's like really ridiculous. Like every line out of Leo L's mouth is like the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. Like just every <laughs> line of dialogue is like so. There's one. My favorite line in the movie is uh, he's like, you know, Carrie Elway's and him are trying to like talk and you know trying to get to know each other, and Leo Neel's like, yeah, well, let me tell you this. My girlfriend was a, an, a was a feminist, vegan, punk, and she left me because I was too angry. Uh, like, <laughs> oh, and God. that's like his whole vibe in the movie. It's. <laughs> It's it's uh, kind of great, but uh, yeah. So that's the first saw, and then saw two. I was expecting a pretty steep drop in quality, and it's actually it's pretty good. It's it's in some ways it's better than the first one. Uh, I mean, the first one I think is better overall as a film, but uh, you also lose Carrie Elways and bring in Donnie Wahlberg, uh, and shockingly, Donnie Wahlberg's better than Carrie Elways in the saw. Movie. <laughs> wow <laughs> honestly i
2: thought carrie always was like close to terrible in- <laughs> in the first song. Uh, I remember, but- yeah i remember that at the time everyone was like he's so whiny that was uh, yes yeah and <laughs> yeah, <prevailing.
3: laughs>
0: yeah and it, just by wow. the end of the movie when he's just like constantly screaming because you know i mean it's a horror movie i get that but just like It's just the way he does it. It just felt like weird. Like it it feels forced, I guess. But with uh, Donnie Wahlberg, he's like this detective whose son gets kidnapped by Jigsaw. And he has to figure out how to, you know, save his son and all that stuff. And then there's more twists that happen. And uh, what I've heard about the Saw movies is that they get increasingly complex and like build up a weird, crazy mythology as they go on. And uh, you start to see that in Saw 2. And uh, where that movie ends actually made me very excited to dig into Saw 3. Uh, so yeah, I'll be doing that pretty soon. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'm, I'm 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 getting ready. I'm making my way through the book of Saw, and it's a it's a wild time. Uh, I only <laughs> but,
1: uh, I only want to hear about it if you watch the next uh, five movies all in one day <laughs>
0: <laughs> at two a.m. Being cheering like yeah, they cut his yeah. thumb off or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, some recent movies I've been watching. Uh, First off, I got Bad Trip, uh, which is on Netflix now. Uh, And this is a new comedy starring Eric Andre, Lil Rel Howery, and Tiffany Haddish, directed by Kato Sikori. And uh, yeah, it's pretty solid. I, this is one that uh, I think was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest last year, and then it didn't because of you know COVID. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, it actually got like leaked on Amazon Prime or something like a month after it came out, and then it got sold to Netflix and didn't end up coming out in theaters like it was supposed to. So now it's out on Netflix. Came out like back in January, maybe maybe after that. I'm not exactly sure when it came out, but it came out kind of recently. This is a, a movie in the style of like a Bad Grandpa or a Jackass or like Borat or whatever. Just Eric Andre, Liberal Howery, Tiffany Haddish or like on this. You know, it, like the thinnest of storylines. It's just them on a road trip to New York to like meet the girl of J's dreams and he could profess her love to her. And along the way, they like pull off a lot of like, you know, crazy pranks and practical stunts uh, that involve like real people reacting to them. And these movies I think are like, you know, generally kind of a hit or miss thing. I think it depends on the kind of reaction you get from people. Uh, And I think Bad Trip has more good, interesting set pieces than bad ones, uh, <laughs> I would say. There are, yeah. some, there are some that are kind of duds, I think, but for the most part, like, there's some really fun, like, this bit, there's this big elaborate musical number in the mall, which is a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, there's this huge car explosion that you get to see, and people are reacting to that, like, oh, my God, what, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then also, it ends with them all sing- singing DMX on stage, which was sad, because I watched this, like, a week after DMX died. Uh, <laughs> but,
2: uh, yeah, uh, Mike uh, Mike E., have
0: you seen uh, Bad Trip?
2: Yeah, I, lo- I love Bad Trip. Um, yeah? I'm a I'm an Eric Andre super fan. So yeah, I think I saw it the day it became available on Netflix and yeah, I loved it. Nice. You, would you consider the scene with the gorilla? I don't want to say anything more than oh, that's that. The, that's the best scene in the movie. That's yeah, the- <laughs> I was gonna say, I was, that, I was hoping that that was not a uh one of your duds, <laughs> Oh, okay, no, Yeah, that 100%. That's like
0: where like everything that like this movie does well is in that gorilla scene right there. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I like Eric Andre. I haven't been like the uh, like I've seen bits of the Eric Andre show, but I haven't like actually just like sat down and watched the whole thing. His stand up's very funny, like he's just a really funny guy, and his, his sensibilities, like his. Chemistry with Little Rel Howery, and this movie is so great. And uh, Tiffany Haddish just being like the wild card too uh, yeah. is always great. I think I, I do my like alternate Oscars picks, you know, uh, for for most years. And uh, I think I nominated Tiffany Haddish for the Lego Movie too. Um, a couple of, a couple of years <laughs> ago, did. I think I'm the only one that's ever done that. Uh, so I'm a big Tiffany Haddish fan. is is what I'm <laughs> is what I'm saying, and uh, I think she's really great in Bad Trip. So uh, yeah, they're they're all great together, and it's a it's a pretty funny movie. So definitely worth watching that on Netflix. Also caught up with a couple of Oscar movies uh, this past couple of weeks. Which uh, the Oscars are this weekend. I think Mike and I will be talking about them on the next uh, podcast if Mike remembers to watch them. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> you better text me <laughs> yeah. we'll see what happens uh, that, that is usually how it goes uh yeah and i'm gonna be bummed because i usually uh, the last couple of years i've watched the oscars uh, at the roxy normally you guys have the uh, the big yeah. free to come to oscars uh party thing and i actually won the oscars pool last year nice yeah
1: <laughs> it's kind of a big deal
0: a little did you, bit did you Oh, oh no, I'm sorry, last year was Parasite. Okay, yeah. Last year was Parasite. Yeah. Nobody yeah. could
2: have predicted Green Book. That was not <laughs> uh, it, it I did predict Green Book. You, you predicted wow. Green Book? <laughs> I predicted Green Book because because every like everything was going so horribly. Yes. It <laughs> you know, was like the only only the worst possible outcome in that version of reality. Yes. And so uh yeah, that's I know. Yeah, I
0: think last year when I won, I mean, Parasite, won, Bong Joon-ho won the director and picture for Parasite. And I think I actually didn't get one of those. I think I missed director because I figured they would give that to Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just like as the career lifetime achievement type thing. And I missed that and somehow still uh, won, <laughs> won the thing. I think because uh, the, the ones that trip everyone up are the uh, the generally the short subjects uh, mm-hmm. categories because nobody actually knows <laughs> what's going <laughs> to win those. Uh, and I just like took stabs in the dark. I think I read like, you know, a couple of like articles earlier in the day, like these are like the most likely ones to win. It's like, Oh, I'll follow these, uh, I'll follow these <laughs> guidelines. Uh, and those ended up uh, saving me in the end. So that was, that was good. But, uh, yeah. So this year, the Oscars are this Sunday. And, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch them because it's going to be really weird. It's going to be like half in person, half on zoom. Uh, I think they're moving the original song performances out of the actual ceremony. They're going to be in like the pre-show or whatever. It's going to be, Really strange this year. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But there's a couple of, plus there's, you know, they, they changed the rules this year. So like the first two months of 2021 were eligible for Oscars and the Oscars themselves are like two months late as a result. So I caught up with a couple of the movies that uh, I hadn't seen yet. The first of which was Minari, uh, which is directed by Lee Isaac Chung, who I think is also nominated for Best Director uh, and starring Steven Yoon in the lead role. Uh, it's uh, about a Korean American family in the 80s who uh, move out to a farm and they just struggle with their lives, basically. And uh, that's, you know, it's it's very good. It's a, it's a very mm-hmm. good movie. Uh, like th- that glib description doesn't make it sound very good, but it is a very good movie. Uh, and Steven Yeun is great in it. The, uh, basically it's about this family and like, they're struggling to make ends meet. And then the, uh, the mother's mo- uh, the mother's mom, the grandmother comes to live with them. And it's sort of about her relationship with the children and all that stuff. And by the end of the movie, it, en- it ends on, you know, a note that seems tragic, but ultimately is hopeful. And, uh, you know, I think it's really fascinating. Just look into a portrait of that slice of American life that you don't really see all that often. Uh, So yeah, Minari, uh, it's available on a video on demand right now. I was hoping to see that in the theater here in Missoula, but uh, no dice, didn't happen.
2: Mm-hmm. That, that would have been a that would have been a Roxy choice oh yeah 100% oh, yeah.
0: yeah 100% uh, and then I also caught up with uh, The Father this past weekend which that actually I did get to see in the theater because uh, the AMC 12 here in Missoula they brought back a couple of the Oscar movies this past weekend like for one Showtime a day kind of thing so I think they brought back like this Promising Young Woman and uh, something else I think maybe Judas and the Black Messiah uh, but so The Father which I, The Father is I think one of the ones that's technically a 2021 movie but this is uh, Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman, and uh, also available on video on demand right now and Anthony Hopkins plays uh, an old man which naturally because Anthony Hopkins is very Bad. old uh, and he but he plays an old man suffering from dementia and Olivia Coleman plays his daughter and I think what I found really fascinating about this movie which is also very good 99 times out of 100 a movie like this would be from the perspective of the daughter like dealing with like caring for her father And uh, what is really great about The Father, which, uh, you know, first-time director Florian Zeller, he places it in the perspective of the father himself. Like, you're seeing it from the person with dementia's perspective. And so there's a lot of fractured timelines going on. There's a lot of confusing stuff. Like it takes a while for you to kind of catch up with what the movie is doing uh, and the way it kind of parcels out its story. And by the end of it, it's just so devastating. You know, like neither of these movies are like stuff I would consider super fun. Minari has its moments, but like The the Father is like one that's, uh, and again, The Father also has its moments of levity, but it is a dark, depressing movie and uh, also a very good one. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, Mike, have you caught up with all the Oscar movies? Have you seen The Father?
2: No. No. no okay i yeah i when the when the when the father was nominated I was just like that that movie isn't real. <laughs> it <doesn't> yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, like on, on its surface, you see a movie called the father with Anthony Hopkins. And it's like, well, yeah. Like you said, like it's one of those things that just gets nominated for Oscars automatically kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: it's, like it's one of those fake movies in the beginning of Traffic Thunder is what it sounds like. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there, were, yes. there were some movies nominated for gold, for the golden globes too, or, or, or maybe, you know, every year there. And it's like, that, that, yeah, that isn't real. Yes. <laughs> what is salmon so, fishing in the Yemen? What is yeah.
3: that? <laughs> yes. <Yeah, yeah, salmon
2: laughs> <laughs> <laughs> extremely loud and incredibly close. That's not a movie. Um, exactly. No, I, I haven't I haven't seen The Father. That might be the only Oscar nominated movie I haven't seen. But uh, yeah. nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, like I was, I was wondering if I was going to be able to watch it because again, it's available now for 20 bucks in video on demand. But luckily it just popped up in the AMC here. I've got the Stubbs A-list. So I was able to just kind of go in and walk in for free. And uh, yeah, it's uh, It's definitely it's a much better movie than I think it appears to be on the uh, if you look, just look at the poster and being like, yeah, that's just an Oscar movie. That's fine. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah that's The Father and Minari both nominated for Oscars uh, this coming weekend and then finally one last one uh, which is a movie called Nobody directed by Ilya Neishuler and written by Derek Kolstad of the John Wick movies uh, and Ilya Neishuler is the director of uh, Hardcore Henry uh, which is a movie that I was not a big fan of remember that uh, movie? yeah wow. that was it was certainly a motion picture uh, <laughs> <that> was, <laughs> for those who don't know Hardcore Henry was the movie with uh, that was shot entirely from a first person perspective so it's like you know somebody strapped GoPro to you know the protagonist's head and all that stuff and there's some fun stuff in that movie but I think because it's from a first-person perspective I found it like just I couldn't get into it like a child was playing a video game kind of thing but this is you know a more traditionally filmed movie uh, much very much in the style of John Wick again written by Derek CulSad who wrote all three John Wick movies and uh, featuring the stunt team of eighty-seven eleven who do all the stunts for the John Wick movies but it's also different because it's not necessarily about the kind of world that John Wick depicts. This is a movie where Bob Odenkirk plays like a family man, whereas John Wick is just like a loner kind of thing who lives with a dog, and then the dog is no longer there. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, for reasons untold. But yeah, Bob Odenkirk is like the dad of this family who's just kind of like sifting through life, uh, isolated from his wife, isolated from his son, and, his, and only his daughter really likes him. He was like eight years old and all that stuff. And it's uh, I, I think it takes a little bit of time to get going. Once it gets going, I had a blast with nobody. Uh, again, it is Just like, you know, that John Wick style of action, but I think in a messier kind of way, which uh, kind of sets this apart a little bit. Like John Wick is very famous for its very clean action. This movie has that action. Like it has all that like intense fight choreography, Um, but I think just the claustrophobic nature of this one makes it feel messier uh and also bob odenkirk is really great uh in the lead role i mean like i'm a huge bob odenkirk fan i have you know the entire series of mr show on dvd and uh you know all, all the breaking bad better call saw stuff like it's been wild to see him like turn from mr show guy into drama guy into now action star guy like it's just a weird <laughs> a weird transition for bob odenkirk's career uh but i'm definitely here for it and the supporting cast for this movie i think is so much fun uh, a christopher lloyd plays his dad uh which wow. i was very excited to see christopher lloyd in a movie uh because it's been a very- long time. And the last movie I saw Christopher Lloyd in was Piranha 3D, uh, which he's also amazing in. He's incredible. <laughs> in <3D. laughs> but yeah, Christopher Lloyd plays Bob Odenkirk's dad. Uh, Riza from Clan plays his brother. The movie ends with like the three of them in this like huge battle with all these like Russian gangsters. And it's cr- literally Christopher Lloyd, 82 years old, just like shooting motherfuckers in the face with the shotgun. <laughs> and it's the coolest thing. <laughs> such a huge fan of of the movie being able to do that. Uh, so yeah, I don't think it's on the level of like a John Wick, but it's like, you know, right below it. It feels like if John Wick is the A, this is the B team kind of thing. Uh, and I would definitely be into just watching more movies of the, of the nobody world. I think this movie kind of sets it up towards the end where it's like, there could be more if they wanted to, but it's also if this is the end of the story. That's good too. It feels like a nice note of closure.
2: Uh, Mike Evans, you also saw nobody. Uh, you weren't as high, you weren't as high on this one, right? No, but I mean, that you know, I, I definitely liked it. Maybe it's like, it's a bit of a, like a curve that we're, I mean, I feel like I'm seeing more and more. And it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I don't want to sound condescending cause I did like the movie, but like, yeah, it seems like people I don't know. I, I, I Like a friend of mine called it like the best action movie he's seen since Blade. Whoa. <laughs> that's a little excessive, a little that's hyperbolic. Five years, that's 25 <laughs> years ago. Um, like Mad I mean, Max Fury Road exists, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and raid and all, you know, all sorts of, you know, but, you know, more power to him. Yeah. But I, uh, I mean. I'm agreeing with everything you, you're saying. I did, yeah. Like you know, Chris Lloyd's fantastic. Bob Odenkirk's fantastic. So yeah, I don't have anything like negative to say about it. It Just didn't maybe didn't grab me as as fully as I wanted to because it's yeah. Again, on film Twitter, like being being hyped is just sort of like one of the best action movies ever made, and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't for me. And I feel like maybe part of that is just like hey, it's a movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie that exists, so we can see it. Yes, um, I saw a lot of that. I felt a lot of that too with um with Kong Godzilla versus Kong where yeah he's like I just want to see that monkey fight and <laughs> yeah too yeah, more power to you but it's not like a not a great film that you're going to like remember your whole life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I mean,
0: I, I made Godzilla vs Kong my first movie back at theaters, so you know I got the vaccine, and then two weeks later, Godzilla vs Kong came out, and I was like, "This is perfect timing. This is like this seems like the movie to bring me back in." You know, it's you know the huge. Yeah. I went to go see it in the IMAX, and it was just like cool to see on the hugest screen possible. Like I felt like I got a lot more out of it uh than I would have gotten watching on HBO Max. uh mm-hmm. And nobody's available on video on demand now, but I was able to see nobody in the theater, and I think that does like it's a it's sort of a novelty now to. Go go to the theater after not having been in the theater for a year <laughs> you know you just
1: like everything now
0: basically yeah i i'm thinking I've, i think i'm going to see a uh, mortal Kombat this weekend and uh i'm pretty prepared for that movie to be bad but also i'm gonna go see it in the theater so i feel like i'm gonna like it at least <laughs> a little
3: bit
2: <laughs> yeah. so i mean like other than like private screenings like you know at one in the morning <laughs> at the rock right. Box scene, i you know uh employee perks Yes. I haven't seen anything in the theater a I, guy I, since March of last year like I still I still haven't like you know I think I, I'm kind of like waiting I guess waiting for dune I think that's the movie where I'm gonna have to finally man. Uh, I mean Dune's a while away too Dune's yeah, in like November I, I, I think right Maybe I can't wait that long But uh, <laughs> that's, just like, that's, the, that's the only movie I can think of Where it's just like I've got, I've got to see that in the theater
0: Yeah I really want to see I mean, And when the, uh, when the Warner Brothers HBO Max thing was announced I remember Dune being one of those movies But also I mean The Matrix 4 uh, Was part of, I mean, that, yeah. part of that lineup And I was like there's absolutely no chance Of watching The Matrix 4 at home I'm going, I'm going to the theater <laughs> Even if there's no vaccine yet I'm going to the theater I'm going to go see The Matrix 4
2: <laughs> it's, it's crazy that like nothing about that movie has come out like it's I know as-
0: <laughs> yeah I, I think uh when they were filming it the first time I remember a couple of, like production like you know Shots of like Keanu Reeves, like from a distance, uh, like, be, like being leaked on Twitter or something like that, and then nothing, yeah. So, hopefully, something comes out soon. I mean, I think that's like in December, so it's a little while, it's a little ways away, but yeah, I mean, there's and there's so much stuff in the HBO Max, uh, Warner Brothers deal. I mean, how, as a theater operator, how did you feel like? And granted, the Roxy doesn't really play a ton of those kind of movies, you know, the Roxy's much more in the independent scene and that kind of thing, playing more indie stuff and you know, repertory stuff and all that stuff. But did that
2: announcement affect like your, you know, the whole month? Mind- mind of like running a theater? Not really. I mean, it, yeah, like you say, I mean, that's not really our purview. I mean, it affected me much more as like as a, a theater goer than as a than as a theater programmer. You know, and it was and it was disappointing. And I and I I, I want to believe it'll be walked back. Um, that's what they're saying. I mean, they're saying like 2022,
0: like it's going to kind of come back like it was just kind of a, a big splashy thing they could say that they're going to do to, mm-hmm. you know, get people to subscribe to HBO Max, but also because it kind of made sense because they weren't really
2: sure when theaters were going to be able to be safe to reopen. Right. No, it, yeah, I it didn't. I mean, in terms of, yeah, in terms of what we show and sort of, I mean, we, we you know, we're, although we're a nonprofit theater, we're absolutely like we're profit minded. We, we want to, we want to show things that people want to see. And we show things that also are playing at the multiplex, like little women, um, which is the most right. successful, you know, that's the film we've, we've done the best with ever so we we are mindful of this of you know wanting to show things that people want to see but uh yeah it just didn't really it didn't really register as like something that we that we need to be deeply concerned about in terms of our our you know longevity
0: right and little women i mean that was uh, i mean that played for ever that was was (laughs) for a long time but you guys even like you did like a whole i'm not sure if it was a whole month or a while but like you guys showed it like you know as soon as like the digital run was winding down you were like okay we're bringing it back in 35 millimeter this time and everybody started packing it again it
2: was the the only movie we we've ever done first run in two theaters that we we, the the audience there was so much audience for that movie that we could that we could staggered that's crazy and the roxy
0: only has three theaters so that's that's a big chunk of
2: the theater right there (laughs) wow yeah (laughs) yeah One and two were Little Women, and three was Uncut Gems. And uh, there you go.
0: That was probably, that was probably the night that uh, I got sick. But uh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I, start, I speak of 35 millimeter, you guys—I mean, you guys are also the only place in town that does 35 millimeter screens and movies, which that's a relatively recent thing. I, that was after I moved here. I remember that that was like the big announcement. Like, oh, and we got a 35 millimeter projector. This is exciting. That was uh,
2: yeah, about two years ago, I want to say. Yeah, it's when we got. Yeah. The yeah. So do you guys have any plans for more of a, of that coming up soon? For sure. I mean, when, when we are, when we're back up and running and we, you know, we're, we're still getting a sense of what, of what the shape of that will be. You know, I think, I think we probably just because there's such a lack of availability, our DCP theaters one and two will be, will be what we show new things in. Three will be, probably devoted to rentals because that's just been, you know, profitable and we want to keep that going for as long as people want to do it. But yeah, I mean, I think when we don't have a rental, we can absolutely do 35 millimeter screenings in three. We don't, yeah. Whether or not there'll be anything to show that isn't just like, pure repertory, you know, right. I don't know, but we, once we got, it, we were, we were really committed to doing at least one 35 millimeter screening a month. And then we even did 35 millimeter runs of, like you said, little women and of um, once upon a time in Hollywood. I remember that was my third I time was, seeing mean, once I, upon a I, time
0: in Hollywood. Yeah. I went to go see it in 35. Me
2: too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, man, did people, people just love that. I mean, like, I, I didn't know. I mean, I thought, I, I, I think of these things as sort of an inside baseball, yeah. But no, I mean, people really are really committed to that format um, more than you might expect. I mean, we, we packed the house with 35 millimeter screenings of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, yeah, it's there's definitely an audience.
0: Yeah. Nice. I I And you guys did. I remember there was like the Kubrick month where like all the Kubrick movies were in 35 millimeter. I got to go see Barry Lyndon for the first time uh,
2: on 35, which was awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah, I was there for that one. Yeah. Were you really nice? Yeah, that was that was so great. I just uh, I just remember how um, during the intermission of Barry Lyndon, because I mean, that's my favorite Kubrick film, but but the audience kind of like. Was lolling about on the stage and like they kind of looked like the characters from some of those shots in Barry Lyndon of like <laughs> hung over the next day after a night of drinking and gambling. It was so yes. great. Absolutely, yeah. I'm excited to get back.
0: I, I'm so excited to get back to the Roxy when you guys reopen up. Uh, it's going to yeah. be so much fun. It, it is awesome. like thank you so much course yeah it is like it is the place that i probably spent the most time in missoula outside of my apartment uh and and before quarantine i probably spent more time at the roxy than in my apartment you know now it's a little bit flipped but uh all right so i think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode uh mike evans thank you so much for joining us uh where can we find you online
2: this week where can people find the roxy all that stuff uh you can find me on twitter at Michael J. Emmons won. Everything else was taken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Roxy at www.theroxytheater.org. Uh, I think I'll be putting in, um, some of the uh, screenings online uh, that I mentioned uh, for the Senior Center. Uh, starting in late May. Movie Night at the Hipstrip. Yeah, the IWF is going right now. People are loving it. It's like uh, I was tech support last night it's running very smoothly nice, uh, I, nice. didn't get call- I didn't I didn't get called so that was good um, <laughs> like that uh, you can stream that at wildlifefilms.org and you can and we you know as as uh, Mike Smith mentioned we have a, a a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to from our website and uh, we also do a membership program and um, you can learn more about the Roxy um, through monthly emails uh through the membership program as well so yeah definitely and if you just want to make a donation to the Roxy uh, the
0: roxytheater.org is where you can do that too right yeah absolutely. All Absolutely, right. love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Plug that in right,
0: right at the end. Yeah, Mike nice. uh, <laughs> Screen Show. To do that, <laughs> uh, Mike Screen Show. Where can we find you online this week?
1: You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxed. Uh, and if you'd like to donate to support. Uh, Mike and Mike, go to the movies. We have a Kofi page. Uh, You can find that at Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike pods, plural, because we have two podcasts. This is true. Uh, And you can find (laughs) me online at uh, msmithfilmlog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on
0: Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to Mike and Mike, go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike's Cree Show. That's Mike Edmonds. So again, Mike and Mike and Mike go to the movies this week. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget to rate, interview the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. If you want to contact us, hit us up at Mike at gmail.com or tweet at us at Mike and Mike pod. And you can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture press alongside the totally original geek news podcast, mm-hmm. uh, a podcast about all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Uh, so for our next episode, uh, Mike and I are going to be talking the Oscars and reviewing the Falcon and winter soldier, uh, which airs its season finale this week uh, on Disney plus, uh, which I wasn't even expecting Mike D to watch. And he surprised me by, <laughs> by being like, uh, Hey, last week, like, Hey, I've been watching it. I was like, what? Uh, I
1: thought hey, you were miss. done. I thought you were done with the Marvel stuff. <laughs> Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Um, oh yeah, I don't know. It was just, I, I I have no defense. This yeah, one got fair, me. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so we'll be talking about that this week. Mike
0: Evans, are you a Marvel fan at all? Like any? any uh, I mean, you said you did the Marvelous May thing, but are you into the MCU stuff? I mean, I'm
2: watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, mm-hmm. and I'm you know I'm enjoying it. I'm not you know I'm like I'm I'm kind of agnostic like about them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's some there's some I like more than others. I I, I kind of. They're all sort of for me in the like B plus to C minus range. Yeah, they, uh, and, and they do a pretty good job of being in that range too. Like yeah, they never really yeah. go outside of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And certain films I've seen recently, uh, one in particular that has uh, the name of its director. Uh, the Snyder Cut is what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, oh, we we like, we've
0: like, we spent a lot of time talking about the Snyder Cut
2: uh, on this podcast. I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> but like, yeah, uh, just yeah, really made me made me long for the, the halcyon like hour and forty five minute long days of a movie. That was
1: that was the hardest part about Fast and the Furious movies. Is like we're banging through these hour forty five minute movies, and then uh, they start being two hours, and then 2:15, yep. two and a half. <laughs> you're Like stop.
0: <laughs> yes. That's why I was excited. Uh, when the first Marvel show came out this year, WandaVision, like all the episodes are like 22 minutes. Like, this is perfect. This is, this is <laughs> yeah. the perfect length of these shows. And then now Falcon Winter Soldier is like an hour long every episode. And like, yeah, I'm I'm feeling a, a little a little bit with the yeah. with this show. Uh but yeah, that's gonna air its season finale this week, and we'll be talking about it on the next episode. I believe our music supervisor, Kyle Cullen, he'll be joining us for that one. Uh, in the meantime, the complete works is back to covering Nicolas Cage for the time being. Uh so, so uh Mike, we have a uh, Jeff Goldblum podcast. Uh but before we did that, we had a Nicolas Cage podcast podcast. Uh, and then we caught up to Nicholas Cage. Somehow we watched all the Cage movies. Wow. Yeah. That's really impressive with Nicholas Cage. We made it to
1: 2019 oh, in 2019.
0: Yes. Uh, so we made, we watched every Nicholas Cage movie and then we started doing Goldblum and then Cage made more movies, which was very rude of him.
2: Uh, um, <laughs> made that, um, that Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff movie. Yes. Yeah. We have not watched that yet. That's coming up soon. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's actually
0: some, I mean, Colorado Space is also going to be coming up soon, which I saw with the Roxy. Uh, that was, one of the last movies I got to see there before it shut down. Actually, that's right. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. So we'll be talking about that one. Uh, but for our, our this week, we're releasing our episode on Grand Isle with uh, Nicholas Cage and Kelsey Grammer uh,
2: doing ridiculous Southern accents, and it's a, a wild time. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know that one, but I did see Money Plane during quarantine. Speaking of Kelsey Grammer, so I've not seen Money Plane. How was it? That was, I was. It was like that or California Split. As something to recommend. <laughs> And it was just, it just edged out. California (laughs) split, just (laughs) just, just barely.
0: (laughs) All right. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for us. Once again, Mike, thanks so much for joining us this week.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me. This was just delightful. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. That's the end of this week's episode of
0: Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side.